What up, everybody? As you can tell, we're starting off this podcast a little bit differently. Uh, I decided to get together with me and Andy and uh, bring in a homie, uh, Winston Hodges. Uh, Winston Hodges put out a comedy special um, a couple of months ago. Um, It's called Grieving Productively. Um, And basically the uh, special was about him losing his father um, last year and um, dealing with that grief going heading into kind of like the pandemic as well. Um, And when I came across this documentary, I started like it kind of just I got emotional about it. It was it was something dope to like to view. You know what I'm saying? Well, it's on. He put it for free on YouTube. Yeah, he so, put it for free on YouTube, and uh, and he did it all himself. Like, that's the thing. Like you, you know, he was planning because you know we all have these plans in comedy. You know, like I'm gonna, I, like I've told you, me and Randolph are gonna record something at the end of yep. 2020, mm-hmm. and then the pandemic. Like we always have these plans. Like, oh, okay, here's here's my plan. And Winston was working on this set about his dad dying, and then the pandemic hit. So he had to basically shift gears and figure out a way to make that into something. And it caught my eye. As soon as I saw it, it caught my eye. I talked to Andy about it and I felt it was a good time to kind of get this interview in. Um, It's the holidays. Uh, um, The last couple of episodes, man, we've really been clowning and we've been, uh, you know what I mean? Just kind of going down my rabbit hole in my mind and, and, and shit like that and just having fun. Um, and I'll be honest that a lot of reasons why we were doing things like that was because like life is tough, man. And I, I sometimes you don't want to be talking heavy all the time. You know what I mean? Sometimes you just want to do some dumb shit. Talk about gun leg. You know what I mean? <laughs> like scooter love. Like we got some dope episodes with some dope shit. And and uh, and but this one hit like the holidays, dealing with grief during the holidays, um, dealing with loss during this time, whether it's the loss of a loved one. The loss of a relationship, man. The shit can hit like right about now. Um, yeah. I'm dealing with that shit with my pops. You know what I mean? Like it's the holidays coming. I ain't talked to this dude in like two Christmases. You know what I mean? Like it, it gets tough and and kind of handling and processing um, those emotions and talking to other dudes about shit. You know what I mean? And then like, also the extra step of turning that into comedy. Exactly. Which is, uh, I mean, that's the sometimes the the hardest part. Sometimes it's the easiest part because you just you escape to it. But figuring out a way to do something heavy like that and not make the crowd feel awkward or just, you know, bring them with you as opposed to making them feel. I've seen that before where comics have talked about some heavy shit and the crowd just gets sad. Yeah. Oh, they feel bad for the comic. And it's like, no, no, no. I need you to laugh with me. So Winston had to deal with all that. And um, I think it worked out really well. If you watch the special, he. He figured it out. It's a hard thing to figure out. It's a very hard thing to figure it out. It definitely is. And it was good to see him and and and, and um, process this and go through the documentary and like beginning to end. And you're going to hear us talk about that. So I like I reached out to him and was like, hey, man, would you be willing to talk about um, the doc and just kind of hitting in some on some of these points about dealing with, like I said, loss, the grief cycle of you know, just being honest trying to be funny during that time, trying to process emotion. It's always difficult. And um, I just think we had a dope conversation. We sat down and we talked. And uh, this is the conversation between myself, Andy, and Winston Hodges on The Mind of Dom. So when I heard about that you was putting out a special, I mean, first I was like, why the fuck is Winston putting out a special? And then I was like, <laughs> I mean, I was just, I, I'm saying, I mean, like the pandemic ain't even fucking started and this kid's putting a special out. 
And I was just seriously like, like, yeah, come on. But then there was like, I, I didn't know his dad had passed and I didn't know all of these things. You know what I mean? We weren't really running in the same circles a couple of months before. Yeah. You know what I mean? The pandemic kind of went away and I, it started. I'm sorry. Um, and then I started watching it and it was immediately different. You know what I'm saying? Like when I started, why? OK, so this is not just your standard, you know, what I mean, grabbing fucking footage from different mics or. Um, you know what I mean? And trying to cobble that shit together. Like, yo, this is a real idea. You know what I mean? Yeah. A very creative idea dealing with a really sensitive topic. You know what I mean? Like the loss of your father. And uh, the special's uh, titled um, Grieving Productively. Yeah, dude. And I start watching it and I, I broke it up in two parts. I get, like I said, in the pandemic, it's hard to just kind of stay focused on. Dude, some I, shit. dude I get it, man. Like I, I had a hard time focusing to finish it, <laughs> like editing it, dude. It would be like, so let's, keeps- let's say that it was, it's 40 minutes long, about 40 minutes long. Yeah. Um, and how much, how much video did you have of like cutting it down to those 40 minutes? I would say like total that I had of 40 minutes, I would say I had two full length sets that were at least 48. It's probably like four and a half hours of video that I spent 90 to 100 hours trying to like edit and make it flow and be different and not just like a three camera setup. And Andy can set it up like a lot better for like the listeners, you know what I mean, on of how the, like the comedy special kind of starts off the vibe and then kind of how he kind of put it together. Cause to me, it was just different right off the bat when I saw the more personal side and things like that. Well, it's different. And also there's other differences too, because it's during a pandemic. So it's kind of a shot <laughs> yeah. during a pandemic, you know, there's a zoom call as part of it. And so even if it was just your run of the mill, like, Hey, here's my new hour special. It would have like a different tone, a different feel to it. Then it's got this other layer. It's like, well, how do I add all these ingredients? Because there's several ingredients that aren't really part of most comedy specials. You know, most comedy specials is like, let's minimize. <laughs> let's just do get the get the venue, mic the crowd, get the camera, so nothing goes wrong, and then we'll just do it. So you had like, and then also, I guess you did all the editing too, right? <laughs> yeah, I did everything, and it was important to me to do everything. Yeah. Like I like I had a couple people message me after watching it and be like, oh, I didn't like this editing choice. I could have helped you with this. And I was just like, I didn't fucking want your help. Like, this isn't <laughs> about it wasn't about putting out the perfect special. You know what I'm saying? Like, it was right. about like something I'm proud of. My dad would be proud of and isn't your typical like, oh, let's just watch this guy do 30, 35 minutes of jokes about his dead dad on a stage. Let's keep right. it a hundred though. Did you really did what also played a part of it too? Probably was that you was saying some really personal shit and you were going over it and you didn't want someone else to cut it in the way that you thought they think you're you're thinking. You know what I mean? You Oh, you, that's true, man. Yeah. You cut the shit like, hey, this is how I'm grieving. You know what I mean? Yeah. This is my project from beginning to end. I think another cool part of that shit too was um you shot it like you're one of the what gives like the special a little bit like you give some slack. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I just mean that you're one of the first people that I saw take a step out and try to do something new in this shit. Like, how yeah. do I get my medium? How do I get my comedy across as well as put together? You know, what I mean, this thought process creatively in Zoom. Because nobody was fucking with Zoom that heavy <laughs> then. You know what I mean? Like Zoom only cost $75 on a stock exchange. You know what I mean? Nobody was fucking with Zoom in January. 
You know what I mean? And then by March, it's worth four hundred and twenty five fucking dollars. Yeah, I wish I had bought stock when I was fucking like I was using it a lot and it never once crossed my mind to be like, I should probably right. put like yeah. as, a, as a comic. I was just like, oh, I, I spend the twelve dollars a month. That's all I'm going to do when I should have just put that into buying stock and then it would have paid for itself. Dog, I right. remember telling Andy, like, I ain't doing this Zoom shit. Like, <laughs> fuck the Zoom shit. <laughs> It's just stupid. Even Zoom didn't know. Here's the because when you look at when you when you use Zoom, it's for work meetings. It's like, hey, here's webinar mode. There's no stand-up comedy show mode. In fact, <laughs> no, they lack not. Zoom lacks features that comedy sh- like if you built it from the ground up for for entertainment would have. So even Zoom's like, we had, we had no idea, guys. But I but comedy. like that's. It's crazy because it's like we should have expected that a comic would look at something that's not made for comedy and be like, we should do a show there. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> like, it's like this, this. and fucking uh, StreamYard. Like, every comic I was like, yo, this is the new fucking comedy. This is the new wave. And I'm like, StreamYard sucks. It crashes every fucking five minutes. I'm paying $25 a month to be bleeding edge. And this shit don't even fucking work. And Andy's like, yeah. you should have just came over to Zoom. Andy, Andy was early on the shit though. He was like, I'm gonna just sit in Zoom, and I'm gonna be a robot, and I'm gonna just master Zoom. And then, <laughs> gotta ma- hey, gotta get your masters in Zoom. Yeah, dude, <laughs> absolutely. But when we, like I said, and it was cool, like getting back to it, like that slack, that leeway of you were going out and trying to present something new. You would have to have a whole different delivery vehicle for this shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because you, you got to get we can't touch people. We can't hand out DVDs. You know what I mean? You ain't doing <laughs> merch tables. You know what I mean? And uh, and that kind of was like, oh, I like it when somebody's hustling and thinking outside of the box. And uh, so I, I can't front. I watched the first 20 minutes of it. And then I watched the last 20 minutes of it about a week ago. Um, and it hit totally different. Oh, we're okay. So in the first and maybe because I didn't remember a big chunk of there were certain spots that I remember, but you don't got that continuity, that flow of just watching it from beginning to end. Yeah. And then the second part, um, it just felt a lot more personal. Maybe it sunk in. Maybe I got other shit going on in life. Maybe it's the time frame. You know what I mean? Because we're in the holidays and shit. Because I think I watched the shit a couple months ago and then I came back to it. And the holidays are a really hard time for a lot of people to grieve. Yeah, let alone productively, let alone in a pandemic, let alone with limited contact and going through this shit. And I just enjoyed this whole chronicle. I mean, like get started on when you first started, like really putting this thing together. Like when did you kind of say like, this is the direction and flow or were you just fuck, you were just fucking around and just saying, Hey, whatever it takes me. Yeah. I literally was like, so the whole thing started like when he passed away, my goal wasn't like, Oh, in a year I'm going to do, special about it it was just uh, i'm a comic that i write on stage and i talk about usually what's going on in my life so i would like the night he was diagnosed and the night he passed away like i just went and did sets and they let me go long and they let me just kind of talk because i was in richmond and that's where i started and like i was at a a point in richmond where it's like they're not going to pull me off stage when i'm like working through stuff like this at a shitty mic like they just that's not that's just not what they were going to i had earned that amount of respect in my home scene so i would do this stuff and then after that that material turned into a 10 minutes about it and then when you start to get to the 15 and 20 minutes about a one topic and you're just like well i'm not trying to be the dead dad guy like that's not i'm not trying to work (laughs) a club and be like who wants to dead dad dude to feature for them like who right right and that's just not going to really carry five years from now <laughs> yeah it's like so i was like so that's when it got into the process of i i think around december of last year 
I was like, I'm going to put this together. I'm going to put it out. And the original thought was, I'm just going to do a stand-up special and just have that material done, dedicated to my dad, so I can burn it, have it saved where it's still tight and not have to worry about it again. And right when I was prepping for it, the pandemic hit. And I was like, well, I don't want to hold on to this for a year and a half, two years. Like, how long is this pandemic going to last? Yeah. And that's when I just started trying to figure out how can I do this? Like, I have to figure out a way to do this. And I just so spent then, like a month figuring it out. So were you like in therapy while all this shit was going on or this this became your therapy or? or Dude, both? I got into therapy two weeks before my dad died. Like, it was was his illness a big part of why he got into therapy? No, dude, we didn't even know. I got into it because of like I'd gotten out of a relationship and I was like, I need to fix myself. Oh, shit. <laughs> I was yeah, like it's, scooter love. Yeah, I was like, I need to fix my because it was at the point where I was just looking back and it's like, oh, everyone I've ever dated. It hasn't worked out because I'm being selfish with comedy and I need to figure out a way to like either be more honest about my selfishness so people aren't getting into something they don't want or being smart enough to realize when a woman is like, oh, I'm cool with this, to recognize that they're lying, that they're not really. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah oh. 17 mics in a row. Yeah, let's do 18. I'm, I'm cool. Yeah, exactly. You, you know what I mean? You're like, you're so fucking awesome, baby. <laughs> you, you're the best. And then y'all break up like yeah. fucking two weeks later and you have no idea. Yeah, like what happened? She said it was the best. You met me at a show. <laughs> it's it, like, what are, you were 17 in a row. Why start now? Yeah, you knew exactly. what this was. You knew what this you know, was. You yeah, knew. you know, you spin it around because you know you're a piece of shit. Yeah. And it's, she was just holding it. Yeah, because that's one thing like, and I can relate with that, like the selfish part of, of getting caught up in this shit of comedy wise, of just finding an outlet of being good at it. Let's keep it 100. Yeah. If you're good at it, you get to do cool shit and and you can get uh, you can get caught up in the shit. Yeah. You can get addicted when to you it. Get good at it. You don't want to stop doing it because the fear is like that goes away. Or yeah. like somebody who doesn't stop mm -hmm. doing it is going to get better than you. Yep. And it's like I, I'm not somebody that thinks that like comedy should be cutthroat at all, but I am a competitive person. And when I see someone I really respect killing it and doing something really funny, it doesn't make me want to take a night yeah. off. Mm -hmm. You want to, <laughs> yeah. I say that all the time. Like uh, when we used to be at like places like a hunt, we have a friendly like rivalry between yeah. dudes. And I think, and that's something that people don't realize. Like they think it's a fucking, <laughs> a, a click, a big a club or whatever, but you don't realize like some of us, like we'll go at each other's neck. Like we want to be the funniest dude. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's if Lafayette, my friend Lafayette goes up there, I want to kill after he does. Cause I yeah. don't want it to be like, he blew a hole in the stage and I'm some chomp. No, dude, exactly. I tell people all the time. It's like, I don't want to be on a bad show. I want to be on a show where everybody kills, but people still walk away and remember who I am. Like you want to be the best out of the best. Like, so, so I totally, totally get that, man. As I feel and then the it destroys all of your relationships. <laughs> yeah. It destroys all relationships <laughs> outside that of comedy. That everything, that perfectionism, every ism jumps in it and then you fuck, man. Yep. And, and that's some real shit of finding balance in your life and trying to figure out um, trying to figure out life in general, man, because a lot of shit is just life management. Like life is about loss. You yeah. know what I mean? Um, no, for did, real. You, did your therapy then morph into like basically grief counseling or basically because the first two weeks of therapy that's were not even to... a lot of time. So you never did therapy before? I did it once and like I went once and I hated the therapist and I was like, this is 
therapy is yeah. bullshit. See, I'm not. Two weeks ain't a lot of time initially, like getting Dude, with I... your therapist and you're already going there for one issue. You haven't even learned how to like talk to your therapist or if you want to fuck with yep. this person. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, by the way, my dad died, too. So hurry up and figure because me out. We didn't know he had cancer. So like dad's thing was like I was in therapy for two weeks and he was going to have elective neck surgery because he had like a thing where it was just like pain shooting down his side and he had got it looked at two years ago and they're just like, you can get surgery now or you can put it off. You'll know when you need it. And he was finally at the point where he needed it and he just felt really bad. He's like, we should probably go in now. He goes in, they find tumors all over him. He's like ate up with pancreatic cancer. And then from that point, 10 days later, he had died. So, so he, did, he didn't have any cancer symptoms because pancreatic cancer, you don't have symptoms a lot of the time until it's mm -mm. too late anyway. Well, he had pain. Yeah. And they told him that the pain is the symptom, but it's like they also told him when he went to the doctor that that pain was from his neck thing. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> yeah, we diagnosed that two years ago. What are you doing back here? Yeah, it's like, he's like, oh, neck pain. Doctor. Yeah, it's like pain. Yeah, shooting down my arm. Richmond, yeah, it's Virginia. Like, you get up to 95, <laughs> the doctors don't be the same. I'll be trying to tell people, stay paid. You come past Richmond, man, live in Northern Virginia where the real people who have electricity and shit and go to real doctors live at. Stay out of Southern Virginia, man. It's, it was crazy. And so it was just, it did basically become grief counseling. But I will say that it's like how he reacted when I came in with that news. Like yeah. the first session after my dad got cancer and then the next session my dad had died, the way he reacted to both of those things, I was like, I fuck with this guy hard. Like yeah. he was there for it. And he was really good about like we would focus on my dad for like 80 percent of the session. And then he would be like, we still need to work on your other stuff, yeah, and yeah. which is like I was very lucky, man. Dr. John Boyd in Richmond, Virginia. He's the he's the man. He worked for me, man. He was awesome. So then I guess when the diagnosis came, it was it was it was a terminal diagnosis from the moment he got diagnosed. Right? Yeah. Well, dude, it's weird because it was like they would they were like, he's probably got six months to a year to live. Yeah. He's healthy. He's 60 something years old. He doesn't have any other health issues. Um, I'm going to recommend him for aggressive cancer treatment. Yeah. The very next day, he went from being a candidate for that to he couldn't stand up. And they're like, we're just going to do the regular treatment, maybe buy him a few months. And yeah. then the day after that, they were like, I'm not recommending he gets any treatment. We're going to go hospice. And then each day, it just kept getting worse. It was like, we'll do in a week, we'll do hospice uh, out at a hospice facility. And then he got too sick. And they're like, well, we'll do hospice at your home. And then after that, they were literally just like, your, your, your dad's not going to leave the hospital. Wow. And and then I think he was in hospice for three days and he was in so much physical pain um, that he asked him to like knock him out. So the last three days were that type of like eyes closed, but you can tell he can kind of hear you. But he's just so drugged up that he's just like not really doing anything. Yeah. And then just like the day after Father's Day, he passed away at like three in the morning. That's crazy, wow. man. And that's that's that weirdness of not even really being able to grieve because once you're losing somebody, you got to either take care of like family responsibilities yes. and hold up other things. So you don't even get a chance to grieve properly. You put that shit in your pocket and you're just kind of waiting for like that thing to go off in your pocket and say, hey, now is your time. Yeah, pipe hits you when it doesn't when, when in it, a bad spot, wherever the fuck. It would tell. <laughs> and that's grief like that grief cycle of, of, of that shit going on, of learning how to grieve. Like that's something that I learned in. Um, and therapy in the last year or so, like me and my wife went to couples counseling. Um, I've gone to my own kind of uh, therapy and like the fucking doctor brought up like grief. 
Like yeah. even PTSD and trauma, anything that happens to you, like you got to mourn some shit. You got to go through the, the the cycles and you can get stuck yeah. in some of those cycles forever. You can move on. Like I was grieving shit from like 20 years ago. Yeah. You, know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And like and you can carry that shit. And that, that's why it was cool to see like how you were going into this. So if you first started therapy and now you you're you're got to start talking about this and then you kind of just went to the stage with it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's weird. I got to be honest. I don't know <laughs> if I, I probably would as a comic, because if I get on stage, I would probably just talk about it. But I don't know, like if initially that would be my first thought, like how did that jump in your head and just kind of push you and say, fuck it, I'm, this is what I'm going to do. Well, it's like I'm like a I'm a pretty extreme extrovert. Like I all my energy comes from my friends and I needed to be around my friends. And ninety five percent of my friends are comics. Oh, so, right. so, so it's like so I had to go to the show. They're I'm the somebody, ones telling you to go on that 17th open mic. She'll get over it, dude. She's <laughs> yeah, cool. exactly, dude. I talked exactly. to her. I she know. Chill, man. She She's liked so it a chill. lot. <laughs> I wouldn't worry about it, dude. <laughs> you mind if I call her, though? Like, yeah, yeah, do you feel cooler? I'll talk to her, dude. <laughs> You want me to FaceTime her, bro? Well, yeah, there's like, like, I don't, yeah, you'll, you'll be fine with me. I don't get booked as much as Sam. I promise I'll come. <laughs> I'm not nearly as funny. <laughs> but it was like weird because I just went up and I needed to talk about it. And I'm, I'm not a comic who, if something is bothering me, I can just get on stage and just do my act. It feels too fake, too disingenuous. It's the same thing. Like I'm a comic. If I get on stage and there's something crazy that happens in the room, I'm now going to talk about what happened in the room because it's like, like they, my people, I think would be able to tell that I'm being disingenuous about just talking about like dating's weird and I'm just fucking crying. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, and some comics that's, they, they're doing that to escape it, a thing going on. Yeah. Just talking about, Hey, what's this, this crazy TV show? You guys all seen this? Yeah. And so how long have like at that point, how long had you been doing comedy? Um, I think, june i had just hit five years no okay right no what no i just hit four years because this, this year's fucked me up because it's like i i hit yeah. five right when this pandemic started so i had just hit four years the march before so like four years and just like a couple months because i think generally i mean it's, it's always generalizing when you talk about timelines and comedy but i feel like there is a point where most comics just get to be like sort of in the moment yeah you know because when you first start you're writing about everything that's ever happened to you in your life observations you made three years ago that everyone at work yeah. laughed at and things that your friends laugh at. And, and at some point you run, you sort of mine all of that. Now you're writing in real time. What's yeah. going on today. What's going on in my relationships, what's going on in the news. And I feel like four years is actually a little bit uh, soon. Like it, it, you're just kind of accelerated to that point, to that point, because when you're four years and you don't, a lot of comics that at that point don't always feel comfortable just going up and, and letting it out, talking about whatever. They're still at that point where they're like, I got to kill. I got to make sure this, I got to be tight. And I think one thing with Winston though, is you, you're a, you're a, you're a church, you're a church boy, right? I did grow up in church. Yeah. Yes. And you like, I think somebody told me like, you go, you go and do like, you used to do sermons and shit like that. No, I'll do church. I'll do church shows. Uh, okay. I, I don't do sermons, but it's like, I'll do, <laughs> you I'll didn't do like stuff in the church. Like, 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 services or anything no like i mean that. like i would be like um i would do so i never i never gave a sermon but it's like you know sing in the choir and like do stuff like that like my, my parents were very active in the church so i grew up 
just being like an active church kid, like going to the group events and stuff like that. And I, I've just all I've always been somebody that's like very open about what's going on. Me and Andy and, are introverts. So we look at you like, what the fuck? is this guy doing? <laughs> That's like when I first heard about this special, I was like, this motherfucker put a special out five years in. Like, come on, Andy. Like, I like to do these mad funny, but I mean, the pandemic ain't even came. And this dude is pushing a special. <laughs> and then it was like, and then I watched it, but I'm saying like, but I would, it took me a while too. I think uh, some of my shit, like coming, like just being able to speak openly about shit that I do um, on the mic about my family and stuff and talking about even more sensitive topics than before I started. Cause my five year anniversary was to, was today. Nice dude. Um, for comedy. And I look at that first, we we've played it on the pod that first like set. And then what I talk about now and what I'm willing to just say, fuck it and talk about it's two totally different. Yeah, dude. You know what I mean, two ways to come about it. But it was it's really cool, man, that you were you willing to like take that step out. How did your family feel about it? Um, my my brother, like because it gets iffy when you start talking about family shit. You know yeah. what I mean? Which are other family members, even though that's your grieving cycle. Like yeah. sometimes like we gotta learn, like family members gotta learn, like, yo, the way that I grieve. It's not my shit. Yeah. And it's not the meant to disrespect you or what you call it. Yeah. But this is where the fuck I do it. And then you do your shit your way. But for and this is where, again, we extend our grieving cycles, too, because you start catering to your family. I don't want to grieve. I don't want to do it this way because they don't like it. You yeah. hold more shit in. You hold on to it a little bit longer. You might end up getting a little pissy with your family members yep. because, because of it. And uh, it's a weird thing. And, and, and like you putting it on, on on film, on video to the whole world. You don't know what you're going to say, how you're going to feel. How did it come across once you started doing it? So it's like I'm lucky that like my mom was also someone that's really supportive and my brother's really supportive. And those are the only two that like I wanted their OK to do it. Like those are the only two. Everybody else to me didn't matter. You know what I mean? Like it's my brother and my mom. Those are the two that like I feel like if there was something that they thought I shouldn't say about my dad, I would at least listen to them. Not saying I would take the advice, but it's like I'm not going to ignore it. And mom's only rule was like she's like, please, if you're she's like, I don't care what you say in the special because she said your dad loved your comedy. But if you are going to film stuff at the grave at church, please don't swear when you're at the church. So I didn't <laughs> swear. None of there's no swearing at any of the church scenes at all at the grave. I respected that. And my brother's an extreme introvert and he doesn't he doesn't understand how I can get on stage and talk about what's going on. That's not how he focuses. So he told me he wasn't going to watch it. My mom said she can't watch it yet, but my brother ended up watching it the day it came out and he talked to me about it. And it was like, it was pretty awesome. Like I think we had taken the route of they were going to be supportive. They respected. I needed to do it as long as I respected that they might not necessarily be at a place to, to watch it and to like take it in. Yeah. And I think a cool thing about it, like you touch on it in the special because uh, Andy, he talks about um, in the special. He's, he says, like, basically, like you were fucking my dad. He's talking to his dad. And he's like, you were fucking awesome, man. Like we had a great relationship and most comics don't have great relationships. Yeah, yeah. I saw that part. Yeah. You know what I mean? With their dads. And that shit hit me because it was true. Like, I don't have a good relationship with my father. You know what I mean? Like, and that's probably why the second part of the shit kind of hit me. Um, and me and Andy talk about like our relationships with our dads. Like these are real dude conversations that we have that a lot of dudes just don't have out in the open. You they know what I mean? Don't. We're, we're older dudes. You know what I mean? Like 
we even met my Andy, we've been through some shit already in our short friendship. You know what I mean? I, I lean on him and I talk to him and think same thing with my, my brother Randolph. Like those were mentors. Like I never grew up like my my dad. It's weird with my dad because my parents were 15. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So like over time, my dad became just kind of like this, my like a brotherish, dudeish, like it was just a weird it's a weird dynamic. Yeah. And um, and then we just as I've gotten older and kind of grown away from his kind of teachings and and what he's about, like our relationship kind of deteriorated. And um, like we haven't like this Christmas will be a second Christmas in a row that we haven't spoken to each other. Like, we, dude, same for me and my dad. <laughs> <laughs> Comedians, man. Yeah. Never yeah. talk to their dads. Hilarious part in the two when he's like, uh, when you say that too, is like when he said, if my dad died, like my dad would definitely come back to haunt me. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? True, like, I, yo, if I die before like my son's like 30, I'm coming back to haunt him because that's not enough time for him to make up shit for me. Facts. Like I'm, I'm going to fucking haunt the fuck out of this dude like for the rest of his life. I don't give a shit, man. But <laughs> like and it's it's a weird it was a weird way to kind of look at your grieving process, because um, I think one thing people don't really like it's hard for me to grasp is like, yo, when you have a really good person that you lean on as your rock, that's a huge part of your lives. Like it's a lot different. Like if my dad passed, you know what I mean? I would be dealing with a little bit more kind of guilt, sadness, grief yeah. in a way of, cause our relationship was poor. Your dude was like, he was a beacon in your, in your, in your he life. Was, man. You know what I'm saying? And now how do you, how was that processing it that way? Like this dude, that's such a big part of my life now is no longer going to be a part of my life. How, what was like that impact? Once you have, you really processed that or are you still like going have, through that? So I've got like a podcast about grief and that's where that processing has been happening. Like week to week, I'll get into it like a little bit, just relating to other people that have either gone through similar or not so similar stuff. But like the thing that's hard is it's like, he was a great guy. And like I've, he's the type of stand up church guy. That's just like, he was a stand-up dude. Like he's he he was honest to a T. Like would told you what you needed to hear, but would always be there for you. Like the type of guy that you didn't know was thinking about you, but would send you a gift when he heard something was going on. You know what I mean? Like the type of dude. Yeah. Like he, he, uh, uh, he's a car salesman, so like he treated his customers like they were family. Like like at his fucking visitation, there were twelve, fourteen hundred people there, and most of them were people he had sold cars to. Oh, over the crazy. course of 40 years hmm. like it was hours just a line for fucking hours of people lined out the door to to, to come through and to me missing that was hard because i think for the first year of grieving i was doing some self-destructive stuff including all the stand-up that i was doing like being selfish not treating people the way they deserve to be treated just like seeking attention in ways that i shouldn't have been seeking attention just like negative things that people go through when they go through a traumatic experience and then i finally got to a point where i was just like this is not what he wants at all like that's not what he like he would want me to not trying to name drop the special but grieve productively he would want me to be like you can be sad about what happened but it's like i want to be more like him as opposed to like his death making me go away from that because he was just right. my he is the to me a model of what a man should be like right. like and he not, was a, obviously he was a pretty big draw 
Yeah, dude, know. huge draw, baby. <laughs> the biggest, biggest draw of all time compared to me. It's like, God damn. <laughs> 1,400 people came to his funeral and like 10 people came to your comedy special. Yeah, dude, one night that event. That does not hold up, bro. You you fucked that one up. Yeah, Piz was one night only, though. <laughs> you couldn't come out with like a stage at the funeral Yeah, and just have your shit like propped up like, listen, my dad would really like me to do this. Yeah, can you guys right sit now? down, please? Can we get everybody in here? Your dad now, comes you out, he's a hologram. Did you do like, uh, did you get up and speak at the funeral? No, I should have. But I was just like, my brother didn't want to do it. And they asked us if we wanted to do it. And I think that I was glad he said he didn't want to because it was it's the type of thing where like, I don't think my brother would have viewed it negatively, but I didn't want to put any pressure on him to speak by me speaking. Does that make sense? It's like it meant he was like, I'm not speaking. I don't want to do that at all. He was so adamant to not do it. And I didn't want to speak enough. Like it didn't balance. It's like the the me speaking, the reward of doing that and getting it off my chest would not have outweighed how I think upset he would have been feeling yeah. the pressure of having to speak. So we and didn't I, speak. I, I think that speaks to like handling the grief cycle. Like we talked about, just talked about a little bit earlier. Like you recognize, like yo, this is the way my brother is going to handle his shit. Yeah, you know what I mean. And it's not really going to fuck with my grief cycle, so I could support him. Exactly. Because I'm gonna just get on stage and talk shit about this anyway. Yeah, exactly. It's you like, know what I'm gonna... mean? So, <laughs> so I got my time, and you support, and and that's when you're dealing with shit like that with loss, especially with like other family members and stuff. Like that's something that you gotta kind of, you gotta throw out on the table. You gotta weigh. You gotta think about. Yep. Yeah, I I spoke at my brother's funeral. He he died in 2016. I spoke oh, at his damn. funeral, kind of because I mean, you know, when you're a comic, you go like, well, I can, of course, I can, I can pull it off. You know, <laughs> yeah, dude, that's what do I it. thought. I was like, yeah, yeah, I can do time. Yeah, right. I can do it. <laughs> I just think because I, I, I we had like five, four or five people speak. It was like you know some friends and, and et cetera, and then we were trying to determine the order. And then uh, I was like, you guys don't want to go after me. <laughs> yeah, that's guys, a, I'm a crush. Yeah, follow me. <laughs> so. That's so funny because it's like, I feel like if the pastor had, instead of asking me, do I want to speak? If he'd have been like, do you want to do a spot? I think I'd have done it. <laughs> it was, well, what happened with me It'd was. It'd be fucked up if you were on stage going, what else? You what start else? Bombing? What do you, yeah. Yeah, what do you guys want? What do you guys want to talk about? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's hard, man. On? Sorry. I remember I did this. Fu- remember I told you, Andy, I did that fucking comedy <laughs> benefit show for the lady that got killed by like some park murderer yeah and then the fucking and the lady comes up right before i'm a host of the show and the fucking lady she comes up great lady great foundation but she's like my mom was killed by the fucking the clara barton parkway strangler or some shit like that and we started a foundation and so no one else would get killed on the parkway and then all of a sudden she was like and then i want to bring up your host dominic rivera and i'm just like what the fuck (laughs) like it was a long ass 12 minutes man like nobody wants to hear fucking like anxiety jokes (laughs) well that's it's different when it's like i mean because for me it's like it's my brother's funeral and the the, you know, obviously, I even thought of I, I approached it as like as I approached stand up. I was like, I refer to them as the crowd in my mind. They were the crowd. You know, <laughs> they weren't like gathered friends and family. It was like the crowd. And uh, at, and like I messed up. I forgot a line or two. I like plan. I told some funny stories, you know, and, I, and at the end, I was like, oh, I wish there was a late show. Like I was thinking, like, <laughs> I got to I got to tighten that up. Yeah, you know, like it's, I, I approach it. My only frame of reference for public speaking is stand-up comedy. That's so funny. So it's like I had to go into stand-up mode, and also at a funeral, there's always tension that can be broken. Like you know, the, yeah, once you get that, 
funny like little quip out and the it's like everyone's relieved and it's it's a little bit of a like a 10 minutes of that's levity, the weird you know? that's the weird thing is like being at a funeral and then somebody getting a big laugh because it happens if yeah. the pastor so, whoever speaking knows who passed away because yeah. they will tell a story that'll have one thing in it and you hear laughter through crying and like i don't know if subconsciously i picked up on that but like when it happened and i'm crying and my brother's crying and the pastor told a story about my dad and it got a huge laugh it just was like it felt so good because yeah. you did he connected the whole room yeah, but whatever he so said good. he made it personal you know what yep. i mean like you know like when we get on stage like no offense to dudes who could be throwing out one-liners or shit like that, but when you get personal on stage and you connect, like the crowd knows you coming from like a a a, a plate, your heart unstoppable. Oh, yeah, like <laughs> and, and and it made it personal for y'all. And like that must have been powerful to have a you know what I mean because it sounds like your father was a community man basically. You know, dude, I mean? he like really a, was. Like he was like the heart of the, the community. community. And then like to connect on that, like when that's some powerful. That's, that'll resonate on you. You know what yeah, I mean? Dude. Like you can love your dad, but then when you start seeing everybody loved your dad and the it's power crazy. of it, that's got to be crazy. That's what that is. What's crazy is because it's like I grew up hearing my dad talk about his customers and talk about his customers like they're his friends. And I used to just kind of think he was crazy. Like I just used to be like, there's no way these people that buy a car for because it's like I've made purchases before in my life. I don't really consider the people I buy shit from. You wouldn't like go a, to their funeral. <laughs> yeah, like you wouldn't exactly you wouldn't go to the funeral. And then we do the visitation and like literally I ripped you off on that warranty. <laughs> <laughs> but dude, literally it was like fourteen hundred people and they all had a story about my dad. Yeah. And it was so cool to see other people loving this dude so much. And to just know that, like, because I used to be like, yeah, my dad, I used to think like my dad doesn't have a ton of friends. Like he'd have three or four close friends. And then it just turns out, I was like, no, I just never met any of his friends because they just came by to their, they would just be like, yeah, anytime I was in town getting a haircut, I would just come by and talk to your dad for 40 minutes. And it's like, yeah. what? Holy shit, man. It would have been dope, though, if you would have had that one negative review guy. Yeah, show the, up. One dude. the one dude that was like, this motherfucker sold me a tire warranty that I didn't need. Just somebody's just like, good. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm glad it happened. One star on the Yelp review. <laughs> That's yeah, crazy. what are you guys so sad about? What are you guys so sad? About? Oh, he didn't sell you a lemon. Oh, I get it. <laughs> oh, it must be nice. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> oh man, because it's it's you're dealing with loss, man, and and that's always hard for people. Like I, I'm, it's funny the timing now is like I said, the holidays. This is really tough for a lot of people. You know what I mean? Like yeah, dude. You know what I mean? Christmas is coming. Depending on even if you're not religious, or whatever. It's just the timing. You know what I mean? And we're going through a lot. And trying to figure out like this law, seeing you process it and then seeing you at the cemetery. Yeah. And that's kind of was I picked up on the second part of it. It got really personal. Like it, that's the way I viewed it. Yeah. You spent a lot more time just kind of he's basically just sitting in a, in a chair at his, his dad's headstone. You yeah. know what I mean? And he's got a mic and he's confiding. And, and that was some real shit, man. And it, it felt like. You were letting me this wasn't a joke like you were letting me in beyond behind you see something like really human in, in yeah. that point. And that's when I, it started hitting me like dealing with loss, dealing with the things, just kind of understanding relationships. And and I, I have I went through that when like my buddy Dylan passed away. Like yeah. I had so I had another friend kind of pass away and his death has really been weird for me at this point in my life because I'm 42 
Yeah. And now I got I just started another family again. And I think about that. You know what I mean? I think about how quickly and how easily like things can change in a heartbeat. It's it's crazy, man, because I was always someone like before my dad passed away, the uh, the only closest only other close person I've had passed away is my grandfather. But he had Alzheimer's for the last eight or nine years of his life. So it's like when he passed away, it was a relief. You know what I'm saying? And like. Yeah. So this was out of the blue. It was just insane. And I and I did want to like my big like the main reason I made it where it's more lingering at the grave in the second half of the special is I was really concerned about like I was like I wanted people to be halfway in and feel comfortable laughing and seeing an audience and because I was like, it's like if I open with longer stuff in the grave, I think people would have been turned off. But like when you're 20 or 25 minutes into this 40 minute thing and you've been laughing and maybe crying or like at least getting choked up. And then it just like I can kind of not just do this because I was trying to do just at the beginning, just the setup, the very beginning setup in the grave. And then it was like, nope, now it's the setup and me just kind of talking a little bit. And then here's a joke and just changing the timing and stuff. And it was important to me. So I'm glad that it resonated like that for you. Because it was important to me to where it was like it was a gradual opening up and making people feel more comfortable. And then like when the credits are done and I have the thing where my dad gets on stage with me, I thought that was a cool way to be like. It was very cool. I've, I've talked about him for 35 minutes. Now I would like you guys to like meet him. And that was my good way of being like the very end of the specials. Everybody kind of getting to meet and see the type of dude my dad was. Did you the when you were filming at the grave? Was it just you? Was anyone else there with you, like working the camera? Just me. It was fucking raining in this <laughs> fucking church. Like, and it's like my shit's getting wet. I have like my audio set up and my computer <laughs> and my damn uh, thing. And they're like doing work at the church, so it's like I would be talking and trying not to cry, and then I would just hear like a saw. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, I was like, I'll try to say this again without losing it. Right. Uh, Cut. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it was all me, man. It was uh, it was I just had it set up on a tripod and filmed it from a couple angles, but ended up just sticking with that one because um, it just felt like it, there was already so many moving parts. I just wanted it to be as simple as possible. And well, also, with, I feel like because that's a very intimate uh, setup. And yeah. I, I was if like, if there were other people, there were like two buddies behind the camera making sure everything was working, would you have been able to sort of relax? Uh, I think it would have been more could. performative. I think it would have been me just doing the jokes as yeah. opposed to, dude, I, I'll tell you, I'm glad I didn't go with my original idea because literally the first idea when the pandemic hit was like, I'll get 10 people at the grave and I'll just do the set there. <laughs> <laughs> and I am so glad I did not do that. I, I would have like, been terrible. <laughs> I wouldn't have had you on the podcast if you would have had it. How brutal. Been so hack. <laughs> how brutal you know would that have been? Do you have a feature? <laughs> you know what I mean? You, you do it like step, like I'm gonna have a dude warm me up, and then I'm gonna come out, like I'm gonna be behind this tombstone, and then I'm gonna come in, like bring me in, somebody light me at the tombstone here on the dude, right. I had that idea for all of five minutes, and then just started laughing. I was like, I was like, I would just, be, I would be so embarrassed. <laughs> Yeah, you're right. We'd all, we'd all be watching, like, man, with... you know, Winston needs a new therapist. Yeah. That's what's going yeah, on. Like, this, whoever he's seeing isn't doing it. That's not working. Not working. <laughs> if he would have started off with the grave, like, uh, if I don't see zombies or your dad coming out the grave <laughs> in the first 20 minutes, I'd have been like, dude, you... just me with a crowd of 10 people all dressed in black. And I'm like, what's up, everybody? I'm humping tombstones. <laughs> Smashing bananas like like uh, watermelons like Gallagher. Yeah, I got like flowers. I'm smashing with a fucking sledgehammer. 
<laughs> oh man. I mean, that would be hilarious to like seven comics. Yeah. And horrific to the rest of the world. <laughs> so when you started breaking the shit down in therapy, you had to start talking about the process. I mean, obviously you two weeks into therapy um, and then this shit hits on you and then you start kind of coming up with this creative process. It had to be like an outlet. Was it something that you and the therapist kind of um, kind of synced up on? Because I know when I went, I started going through some shit like me and my therapist would I was right. I used to write out. Um like my traumas and like, like yeah. in, and then, and it ended up like being a comic. I ended up putting it like almost in a story form with like little lead ins and things like that. And we would discuss this every week that I would come in. Um, how was your therapy process? How did that start to change with your therapist and figuring all those things out? He knew that I was like working on an act with it. Like he knew I was talking about it. But he was pretty respectful about like he was like, I'll, I'll, he said, I'll see it when it's out. Like he didn't want to like he's like, if you want to talk about it. Great. If you want to if that's if that's helpful to you. But it was mostly like I would say some of the stories that I was thinking about turning into jokes or would just talk to him about my thoughts on like if he thought that it would be a healthy thing to do. Did you used to do that shit with your pops, though? Did y'all have like a healthy relationship where you would talk to him openly about a lot of things going on in your life? Absolutely, man. Absolutely. We we had an incredibly open, just like relate. We're, we were both very similar, so we would butt heads a lot. But it was like we could have very open and frank discussions about anything and everything. And even though he wasn't someone that liked super blue or dirty comedy, like any time that I was anywhere close and he could make it, he would come to a show. Like he was just he had to be there because it's just like he could kind of tune out the cuss, the the cursing and stuff and just be like, man, this is like and he I, I he, just the smile on his face when I would be doing well somewhere. And he's just like, yeah, this is my this is my son. He was just so proud. He's like, this is my son. This is what he does. Yeah, he's a comedian. So we had, we had a great relationship and we're very, very open with each other. So I miss that a lot. That's like a big thing I miss is just like he was the man in my life that I was the most open with. Like yes. And that's that's a that's a difficult thing. Not a lot. I, that took me forever to do. That's something that I try to do. right now. I'm at that weird spot with my son who's, who's about to be 18, like next month or in February. I'm sorry. And uh, and I had an honest conversation with the other day, like we're just at that fighting point of a father yeah. and son relationship. Why? Because I'm bringing a lot of trauma from my past <laughs> and raising it with my son. And yeah. he's got to deal with that shit. You know what I, I mean? I was on the phone with Dominic. Um, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> maybe a week ago and uh i it was uh it was shocking <laughs> to hear the way <laughs> all all the all i don't know what you were mad about it was about putting a bike in the back of the because he the was car. being a fucking dickhead man <laughs> it, it was like 25 like fucking degrees outside and i'm like i'm picking him up i'm giving him a ride and he's fucking around with putting a bike in the back of the van like i like the fucking windows aren't like he was just getting on my like that's, that's how you're talking to him like i'm on the <laughs> phone i'm just like he's like hold on a second what the fuck are you doing <laughs> like how old is this kid again 16 oh my god <laughs> and it's and, and it's like i just want to have like my my son's on that path of where i can't i'm not keeping him you yeah. know what I mean? Like a big part of being a dad in these years was keeping him away from shit that. Well, yeah. that's how I raised him. That's how I thought. That's how I was raised. And that yeah. I don't think that's a good way to raise your kid. 
right? Um, my dad kind of just was, everything is bad. God, you know what I mean? Everything is the devil. <laughs> like, he was one of those dudes. You know what I'm saying? And, like, of course, naturally, like, yeah, because my dad's like Jesus Christ superstar. He's one of those fucking dudes. (laughs) And it just and obviously I went the total opposite way. And over time, I've gone the total opposite way. Why? Because I never was able to do like you. I couldn't talk to my pops like we didn't have open, honest conversations for the most part. Um, We'd have some here and there, but he wasn't a dude that I would just like go run to or turn to. You know what I mean? And like. With my son, I'm just doing that now where it's basically like, yo, dude, I know you want to see the world. I know you 18. I know being in my basement ain't the fucking shit for you. You got to go out. I just want you to come back and 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 talk to me when you need me and come yeah. to me first. You know what I'm saying? Go live that's your important. life. You're going to fuck up. Go do those things. And so it's good to hear that that's the relationship you have with your dad. And I think that was is that something that you guys talked about in therapy? Like, how do you replace that? Is therapy helping you replace that? Is are you like developing deeper bonds like with your bro? Are you all talking more? Did yeah, y'all me and talk my brother have always been really close. But I will say that we were the type of close where like he's also a creative, right? Like he's been a musician. He's played in bands. His full time job is he runs a music house doing commercials for and in like and commercials and scores for movies and stuff like that, uh, jingles and all that type of stuff. So like, he's a creative guy. I'm a creative guy. So we've always been gigging and doing stuff like that. Um, but we would talk occasionally, love each other, always had that. But since dad's passed away in the last year and a half, like I'm spending more time with his kids. Uh, we're talking more often. We're talking about real stuff. Like we have had some bonding moments where we went and did stuff together that we thought my, um, dad would have wanted to do, uh, to do with us and 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 that and that's been a big one but honestly the biggest one is like when i started doing stand up at almost 25 like i was almost 25 years old i thought it was so weird that i was doing stand up with people that were 17 and i was doing stand up with people that are in their late 30s and early 40s and it's like i mean i'll be honest it's like it i'm very lucky that i have not just really funny older male comedian friends but i'm lucky to have someone like chris allen in my life who's like he's a mentor and a very good friend but chris is almost like 40 years old he's has a child and he's somebody that i it made me feel more comfortable having those types of conversations with other men who aren't my father that's real shit to a young dude man that's real fucking shit to a young dude like um because that's kind of how i was like i i didn't have a strong relationship with my pops and when I left, because I left the house, as soon as I turned 17, I was gone. I never went back. I never lived. I never, I think I borrowed three grand from my dad over my entire life and I paid him right fucking back. Like it was just like that was my vibe, <laughs> my style with like, I'm going to live my life on my own. And I learned from a lot of dudes. At first, I was in the military, but like older dudes who would like, I could talk to like, and then more, more recently, that's kind of how my relationship with like uh, Randolph is. Like Randolph is close in age to my dad. He's not far off of my dad's only like 57. You know what I'm saying? And uh, yeah. and like the way that I interact with Randolph is like a mentor and as like kind of like kind of a father role. You know what I mean? Like and and the way that I interact with Andy and I have other friends that I reach out to and talk to are a little bit older than me. They help me through life. They help me get through my 20s and my early 30s. You know what I mean? Like and then my, my late 30s, my early 40s. You know what I'm saying? So it's good that you were you saw that, like reaching out to other dudes. Like, it's OK to talk some real shit, maybe cry on a phone or some shit or just like, oh, like leave some real shit out. So, no, absolutely, man. Like, because it's 
that was like the thing because it's like you feel like you can have conversations with your friends, but when you have a person you go to, like my dad, I would just go to all the time. I didn't need to go to anybody else. And then like I just really appreciate people like Chris making me feel comfortable, making me feel like a brother and having like outside of my actual brother who I do talk to all the time and has been my rock and has been great. Having someone like Chris to where it's like we can be texting about bits and jokes and then I can also just send him a text and be like, hey, can we just like talk for a minute? Like it's like I've got some real shit going on and I don't know what to do. It's like I'm. 30 years old and I feel like I'm not going anywhere. And it's like, <laughs> it's like and it's funny you- because like 10 years ago, Chris would have been like gay and he wouldn't <laughs> have picked up your phone, but at 40 and with a kid now he's just like, and that's how we grow. You know what I mean? Yep. Like that's how we grow. Like I, I, I would have probably said some weird shit, like some stupid shit like that, like 10 years ago. Yep. You know what I mean? But I, I got to grow over time and that's cool that, and that you get to do that. And that's something that like, I got, Randolph says it all the time. Like, I hate when Randolph gives me a hug because I don't I'm not used to that shit. You yeah. know what I mean? Like initiating like hugs and shit like that. And and like and he would just be like, Joe, dude, just like I love you, dude. Like, cool. And that over time, being able to do that and talk to other dudes and, and, and just be like be able to like share my emotions, surround myself with people who are yes. like that. That really helps you grow, man. And it helps like because life is fucking hard as shit, dude. Yeah. And trying to be the cool guy with no emotions. You're fucking you're whack as fuck, dog. That's dude, trash. I, dude, it is fucking whack. And I will say right now, the single greatest development I think I've had in my life in like the last five, six years of doing comedy is the friendships I've made. I am being being comfortable enough to tell another one of your male friends that you love them is one of the most important things that I have just like just because it's like I don't know man because they tell you they love you back and it feels real and men and whoever need that shit man you need to know that people have your back and you know just realizing that it's like you can say you love somebody and it doesn't mean you want to fuck them (laughs) (laughs) and he doesn't know love he's a robot you can see I can't process love you can get love on zoom now Yeah. But the thing is, too, like in comedy, meeting people who are emotionally adults can be rare, you know, and even when they're 35, 40, 50 years old, like, you know, people bring a lot of issues to the table in comedy and they don't resolve them. And next thing you know, they're 50 years old and they used to have these issues and emotionally very stunted. So when you find that, because you can be around some very um, immature people emotionally in comedy yeah. a lot, you know? And so when you find that someone who's not, you got to like, make sure you keep that relationship because it's, it's, it's kind of, especially on the open mic level though, the first few years, it's kind of rare, you know? And what tends to happen is you form that emotional Voltron in the first, in the beginning part <laughs> with like five dickheads yeah. who are all emotionally <laughs> stunted and got issues. Somebody's doing coke. Somebody's got fucking other issues. Somebody's half gay and they're not telling people like, and then you fast forward that and you're forming. Now you're only looking for relationships with people, with dudes that are like, Hey man, like he talks, he's open. Like I can talk about grown ass man shit. Yeah. And it's, I don't want to hear about a bit like, yo, let's talk about like the shit that's going on with my son or, or like you said, yeah. Chris hitting me up and we're talking about real life shit. You know what I mean? And and building that network with people, you know what I mean? And, it's important. And it's very important. I, I it's, just, it's just so important. And it's cool as it's like, I know I'm still only 30, but it's like 
having Chris be there and other older comics be there, it's let me realize that it's like, it's also okay for me for comics that are 20, 21 years old. If they need somebody a little older than them to have a serious talk with that they might look up to and respect to kind of pay that love forward to people that are younger than me. And it's like finally being able to see like, Oh, this is just how you're supposed to treat people. Mm-hmm, like right. this is just how it works. And it, and it comes back to you. Like that love comes back to you like a hundredfold if you're willing to be open and help other people and openly talk about like real shit. And be honest with yourself about what's going on with you. Cause that's another part of it. <laughs> yeah, that's, the part. <laughs> See, that's the, that's it. Drop, say that shit one more time well, though. The perspective of a lot of comics and which informs their comedy. It's kind of what makes them funny in a lot of situations is I got all the answers. I'm right. <laughs> and so they're not there. They can even like pick out the issues of other people and see them, you know, and then sort of help them resolve. But they themselves aren't really healthy yep. emotionally. So oh, that's, that be, was be me to a advice. I'm good as fuck as giving advice. I could see the scam coming a mile away. Yep. I could be a confidant. I could. I'm, I, that's me. Like I help people out. Can't take my own advice half the fucking time. <laughs> and when I'm a fucking mess, you know what I mean? I'm only seeking out other trash people. You know what I mean? Like, cause I found, I figured out in my life, like, and it, it, it was, it had to go through a lot of pain was that when I'm really feeling bad about myself, I always sort go out to grab other bad people, not yeah. bad as a person, but knowing that they got, they're going some, we feed off that trauma, that pain. You know yeah. what I mean? It's you, like I said, emotional Voltron, everybody starts forming up and then, of misery loves company and, and you end be up unhealthy getting, together you'd be unhealthy together because <laughs> a lot of people think being unhealthy together is getting healthier and, and that's not. not what happened you just <laughs> fucking put exponents on your shit dog like yep. you, you just made it stronger yeah, if you're all in the house asleep with needles in your arm <laughs> yeah but and no one's judging anyone nobody's <laughs> judging like and that's a real shit because you'd be like yo you can't fucking talk about me your life is trash dog didn't you just fucking tell me you did coke and shit, okay. and you spend all your fucking money and your dad doesn't know you dropped out. Of, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, and you just like, what the fuck? Like, yeah, you can't always, say nothing. That's always funny when people are just like, I like my friends. They don't judge me at all. It's like, you need friends that are judging you. <laughs> <laughs> right. You need that. You need someone to tell you you are fucking up bad. Yeah. All my friends can tell me I, I ain't shit. Yep. And I say that on some real shit. All my friends can be like, yo, you fucking up all my and I won't. My my people that ain't my friends can't tell me that shit. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And that, and if you and if I feel as though you won't tell me that shit, you're I'm never going to consider you a friend. Yeah, because you need to be able to hear, man. You need to be able to trust someone to be like, I'm telling you this because I have your best interest at heart. Like it's I'm not trying to fuck you over. Right. And a friend that's not willing to tell you something that's going to help you in the long run, even if it's not what you want to hear, they don't give a shit about your well being at all. Yeah. And also in a relationship is an investment, dog. If you can tell me all your bad shit and I can't tell you yours, then you need to get the fuck out of my face. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Because <laughs> this ain't an even relationship and you're not doing nothing for me. You just I'm just absorbing more bullshit. You know what I'm saying? And I'm already going through my shit. And that's what you got to realize is people, especially when you're dealing with something like grief or trauma. Yeah. Like you got to be like, yo, I'm going to go through some real shit and I have to be able to talk to you about it. Yeah. I uh, I want the listeners of this podcast to guess at what point in the podcast did Dominic throw the blanket off that he was wearing? Because <laughs> there was a point he it turned up off. the the 
I'm talking because we're talking about emotions and shit, man. And this is some real shit that I like. Honestly, you could you could hear your (laughs) your voice got louder. Start talking faster (laughs) because, man, like I'm being honest, like I know how much my life has changed on. It's funny, too. You talking shit, robot. But like this weekend (laughs) was the this was the first time I was on your fucking podcast that I did. Three guys on was like a day or two ago. Uh, Yeah, I, I saw I think you. I saw it in my memories. Yeah, it popped up. Nice. And you know what yeah. I mean? And that's the first time. And yo, it was the first, like four years ago. It was four years ago. Yeah. Four years ago. Like the first time I met these dudes. Like I didn't even like Randolph. I told him to his face, like, I don't like him. You know what <laughs> I mean? And then we like over time, we kind of built like a friendship and a relationship. And we've been through some shit. We talk about some shit. And uh, I see how much that helped me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like being able to talk to finding out that these dudes got problems too and they go to therapy. So therapy ain't for pussies. Nope, you know what I mean? Not. Like, and, and I, and I say that, but like, listen, man, black and brown people don't really go to therapy. You know what I mean? That's white people shit. That's how it's been taught to us or implied yeah, or been put in front of us. Like if you got to go to a therapist or you got to get on them pills, you know what I mean? I'm, I used to be one of them. I'm not taking no pills. I'm not doing soft. It. Yeah, I'm soft. You know what I mean? <laughs> Fuck that. I'm going to just power through my anxiety and all my emotional turmoil until yeah. it blows my heart up when I'm 54. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and it took me a while. You know what I mean? That process. And I, and I think this is really important. You know what I mean? I know men and women both go through it. women, but women are a lot more willing. Uh, maybe now I don't want to be as generic, but they'll much they'll open up. You know what I mean? They understand, I believe, support systems a lot better than what men do. You know what I mean? We think it's just like the one down ass homie. That's all. I only need one motherfucker in my life. You know what I mean? But and it's not really that case. You know what I mean? And uh, and it's good to hear that, man. And that's why I always promote like you got to be able to talk to people. Your circle got to be dope enough for you to talk about your problems. Or if not, you ain't got a dope circle. Yep. I agree. And then it got the weird ass pause because y'all just gonna let me talk because you <laughs> no, fucking like, robots don't the, have emotions. No, no you, that was a, that was a punctuation. You punctuated. Fuck. See, I hate this shit, man. Why did And then Andy is just looking at me, man. I, no, I, I, uh, I've said before. I don't know if I said it on like Winston. Podcast. If you want me to put another screen up for your dad, like we could do that a memorial Zoom screen we'll do it right now, <laughs> right in the corner, so we just have one black screen balance yeah, this whole crazy. thing out. Crazy. Just a camera on the grave. Yeah, it's just broadcasting. I'm actually there right now. Let me (laughs) like part two is just a hand coming out the grave, grieving productively too. like weekend at Bernie's. That would be fucked up if like the end of the special, you see a hand come up like a Friday the 13th. (laughs) It's and it's his dad holding his CD from his merch table. It's my dad giving me the light. (laughs) All right, we get it. Wrap it up. So when you started finally tying this shit together, so it had to be, we talked about you first kind of make the idea of this is what you want to do. Then there's actually you getting on the stages and going through this shit and and, and kind of doing that and building your material in a pandemic. Cause it was, there was moments in there where you rocking a mask and you're like fucking six feet away from people. And you can see the lack of intimacy kind of in a show like that. And you can see you trying to be personable and trying to be intimate and trying to figure out, like, how do I pull these people in? So now you're on the stage. How are how are you figuring out your stage time during this? When did you stop, like, having stage time, basically? And you were like, OK, I got the material. Where was that during the pandemic? Oh, man. So, like, I so I was I had this idea of, like, what I was going to do. And I've been doing, like, just some online stuff. But, like, 
around my first live show that I did that I recorded in it. And it's like part of that special. It was like 109 days after March. So whatever day that was. So I think okay. it's like June, like middle of June, beginning of July, something like that. And I asked when I got booked on that show, they booked me to close it out. And I was like, he's like, can you do 15 to 20? And I was like, yes. I said, I'll do 15 to 20 of jokes. I was like, are you cool? I don't need any extra money. If I do the first 15 minutes of jokes and then at the end, just, just work, just do as much as I need to do about this dad stuff. So like when I'm at that loading dock doing a set, I had already done 20 minutes of just regular material. The show had been going on for an hour and a half. And it was just like, I've got to record it during this. If it doesn't work out, I'm going to do the Zoom stuff. I'll do another live show if I have to do it. And it was just like, it was weird trying to piece it together into a 30-minute thing. Like that's what's hard because if you're not doing 30 to 40-minute sets pretty regularly – like it is so easy to like fuck up and you don't want to just have to, uh, be looking at your notes over and over and over again. Cause that yeah. doesn't look good. Yeah. But I, I would say like I did that set and then it was me running five minute versions on all these zoom open mics for another three, four weeks before I did the really long, uh, like headlining zoom show where I just had people come in and I just ran through all of it. So when yeah. you get to the end part and you're doing you're in you're at the cemetery, you're kind of wrapping it up in that last part, you're kind of really intimate, just um talking back and forth with your dad. Um when you went to go edit that last part, because I gotta think that you just let the motherfucking camera run and you kind of poured out your emotions. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then you grabbed because in order for it to kind of feel as genuine, you probably like, just like you being on stage, you probably were talking for maybe five, 10 minutes. Yeah. And then you found a point where this is where I'm going to pick up. When you went through that, were there things like that you said on video that you were like, fuck, like you, you reprocess it the second time. Like, <laughs> yeah, Oh dude. shit. Like, I didn't know. Like, what, what was that? It was definitely like two or three times where I would be talking and like, I would start doing the setup for a joke. And then the setup for it would like make me think about something completely different about my dad. Cause it's like, when I did the thing at the grave, that was the first time I'd been at the grave since he'd been buried. Like I hadn't visited. I was like, and why I, is that? I don't know. It just felt weird. Like, uh, cause it's like, it took six months to get the tombstone and stuff. And I didn't want to go back before the tombstone was there. And then once the tombstone was there, it was around Christmas time and Christmas and new year's was already really hard. Cause Christmas was his favorite time of the year. Like he's the type of guy that called himself Santa Claus and loved giving gifts to people and just like loved the Christmas spirit. Just like, he's the type of dude that like in October, he'd be like two months till Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> like that's just the type of energy he had. So that was already tough enough. And then by the time I think I got ready to go visit, the pandemic happened and I was like, well, at this point, it's almost been a year. I should just go visit on the one year anniversary of the, of the, of his death. And that's what I did. And I think that after I set everything up, I kind of just took 30 minutes to just kind of sit there in silence and just kind of process that without the camera running. Cause it's like, even if I'm just doing the camera and I'm not being performative, it's impossible to not have some form of performance going on. If there's a camera on you, like right. that instinct kicks in and I wanted to be as genuine as possible. So I cried a little bit. I felt that. And then when you're talking, I talk to myself a lot 
and like I'm talking to him at this grave. It's the first time I've been there. And there would just be times where like I would say something and it was only funny to me. Like it's just a thing that like I know he would have laughed at and I would just go down this rabbit hole for five or ten minutes of just talking and it didn't fit into the special. But it's like, you know, recorded and on my computer because it just felt like I was there with him. It was like cool. But there were definitely moments like that that just make that processing tough because it's just like, holy shit, so many emotions are hitting right now. No, it's good that I, I will say that when I saw the funeral part, I would I was thinking that I was looking at someone who was having a conversation. I got lost in a conversation in their head, basically, with someone like these are the things that I would say. This is what I have to say. Yeah. You know how sometimes when you're emotional and you really open up to like I'm a person that talks to myself and shit, too, when I'm going through some shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then when you get emotional, like those floodgates kind of open and then you're just like, <laughs> You're, you're rolling. Yeah, you can't. And you're just saying it. And it's just like, I'm not going to stop because I'm like, oh, it's this. That's not the next thing that's supposed to be in the special. It's just like, no, I'm going to have this conversation and I'll come back to that. I got all day to sit in this graveyard and do whatever I need, whatever I need to do. And it was just like the idea of the graveyard thing was purely just me being like, my dad loved my comedy. And it's like, it would be neat to where this whole thing is just like, what if it's just me telling him all these jokes that he's missed out on? Like, yeah. what if it's that? Like, it's like, Hey man, it's like, I, these are jokes I think you would like about you and then just use. And that's where the idea came from to kind of just try to tie everything together. And that be the, the running theme of it's, I want it to, the view, I want the feel to be like, you're watching me have a conversation with my dad at the grave and almost when it cuts to other stuff, it's almost like you're seeing like a memory or like a cutaway of like the, the specific set that I wish he could have been there to see is kind of right. like how how it was processed in my mind. Uh, I mean, how does it feel now a year removed going into now this holiday of doing this project with your dad? of finally going to see his grave of kind of processing up to this point, what you can. And now you're in this holiday season. Like, how does it feel now? I feel like I'm a better person than I was a year ago. I feel like I, I have a sense of pride that I might not have had last year. Cause it was just like, I was just in it. I still think this is going to be a weird holiday, but it's like, it's now becoming more normal. Like I'm, getting more comfortable just living my life with without him around but it's like i don't know I, this year i feel his impact the impact of him on me after him passing more now than i did last year so i'm kind of in it it feels like it's done of course if i think of more jokes about it i'll write jokes about it but it's like i made a thing i got to dedicate it to my dad and i know that he's looking at it being like that's what i would have wanted you to do so I just feel like it's, I feel like when, man, New Year's is going to feel great. I think when it turns to 2021 and it's just like, I'm, I used what people are saying as could be like the worst year ever to people. And it's like, and I took what could have been a lost year comedically. And I used it to make something that like, whether or not other people like it, it, it is very special and important to me. And it made me feel like I'm on the right track with this whole comedy thing. Ben, how would you go, like, go ahead, Andy. I'm sorry. I was looking at something on, on, off the screen. Well, no, I was just, I was just saying, I was going to say that, like, um, it's, it can be kind of pretentious when you're a young comic to think, like, I'm an artist, you know, like, <laughs> uh, the comics run from saying that about themselves. Yeah. And, 
feeling that way, but this is what an artist does. You yeah. know, this is whether you saw it as like, this is, I have to be an artist now, but you take what's going on in your life and you put it out there and you figure out a way to incorporate that into your art. So it's a work of art. It's part of, it's going to be part of a body of work eventually Yeah, where you're going to have like, and, and comedy, you know, frankly, there's not really in, in other forms of art, you know, a painter can have a blue period, you know, and they can have this, this phase and that phase and, things that are very different you know a band can have their first garage album and then their fourth album they're making these nine minute songs in an expensive studio and yeah very different and they've grown it a lot of comics the first album kind of sounds like the second album kind of sounds like the third <laughs> album like they, they're kind of that's just who they are and it, it, you don't it's hard to go through phases as a comic and have the audience come with you yeah you know and so when you have that it's pretty unique that you can have sort of like you know, let's say five years from now, let's say you've put out two more projects and they're different from this, but you have all these different places that people can kind of go as entry points into your body of work. And that's just not something that most comics, even famous ones, even very successful ones can say they have, you know, at this day and age, it's easier to record yourself and make a special and yeah. self edit and all that stuff. Um, in the past, it was you had to do comedy 10, 15 years to get even your first album out and in a lot of cases because it's just like there's so much you need from other people to do it. So maybe that going forward, more comics will have projects from the first five years and the next five years. But different phases and different types of things, it's still, I think, pretty rare in comedy because you kind of find the thing you do and you just do that over and over again from special to special and album to album. So this is more like, I feel like it's more of a piece of art, you know, as much as it is a, a piece of, you know, just you doing con, that's, just a, a, that's exactly how comedy. I saw yeah. it. Like it was when he, when I started to see him, it, it kind of came together like, oh, this is where this is going. This right. is not what I thought it was going to be or what's okay. So this, and it, and looking at it as an art piece in a way kind of made me appreciate it a lot more, you know Thanks. what I mean? Because then I can. I when you're looking at art, dude, a lot of art too is appreciating the flaws and shit. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like it, it, art, everything's different. Beauty is an eye of the beholder. You know what I'm saying. And the way that I looked at it was like you spoke to it just now, like how you feel accomplished. Like by the end of watching this uh, doc, it was just like, yo, this dude's been through some shit, and he's coming out on the other side. You know what I mean? And you should pat yourself on the back because that's an emotional accomplishment. Yeah. And emotional accomplishments are probably the biggest things that happen in our life. You know what I mean? When you feel a feeling that allows you to grow, you know what I mean? As a person, whether it's loss, it's love, whatever the fuck it is. You know what I mean? You remember those points. You know what I mean? And and I remember this. I'm going to remember this doc. You know what I mean? Because it was something dealing. Oh, it's a homie that I do comedy with did it but also you know this it's dealing with loss it's very personable it's it's seeing someone else's grief cycle uh cycle process the whole shit and, and kind of learning from them yo i maybe i'll not i'm not going to record a special and i'm not hoping my dad dies but i'm just <laughs> <laughs> but i'm just like yo like the way you process yours would be a, you, yours would be a roast it would be a roast like, look at this motherfucker right here like now you die dog <laughs> like right now you die like you fucked off you know what i mean you were 15 like I, from 15 to 31 you was fucking up and now you die but no it's just like it's like seeing that accomplishment accomplishment man and, and like and being able to then reach out and talk to you about it 
You yeah, know what I mean? Like, it, man. you're going to help people out with this shit. And I think whenever we talk about our emotions, whenever we like are upfront and personable about some shit, intimate about some shit, you know what I mean? It makes us connect with people more. It helps us grow. Um, I think it's dope for you to do it now and in this medium and in the way that you did it, because this may be a way that we have to connect with people on an everyday basis. Yeah. From here to wherever. You know what I mean? Because once you get locked, everybody's thinking that when the fucking vaccine comes and which I'm called that everybody's just going to be running out. And yeah, we will initially. Yeah. But then we'll remember that people died of this shit, that yeah. it's scary, that we can go right the fuck back in, that we need to be more cautious, that we need to then maybe connect with friends and family members that we're not used to reaching out to in a different way because I can't go see you, dog. Yeah. You know what I mean? So maybe I jump on Zoom and, yo, let's talk. Let's FaceTime. Let's let's talk about more shit than something funny. You know what I mean? And I and I'm glad that you kind of put this out and that you reached out and that we could talk about it because it was just really dope to see, man. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. That's, that that all means a lot coming from uh, it means a lot coming from you guys because I respect both of you guys like a lot. Like, I don't think you you guys have no idea. I really do respect y'all like so much. <laughs> so the fact that y'all wanted to have me on and, and talk about it and have these kind things to say about it, 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 it means the absolute world to me. So thank you guys so much. So looking into 2021 now, what you're looking at now? I'm going to kill my mom because um, I need a new hour. <laughs> a sequel. Grieving <laughs> productively part two. Mama's I, I, revenge. Now it's just honestly 2021 and what I've been doing during this pandemic is just just trying to figure out what the next step is. Um, That's it, career, man. Career-wise. Figure, figure out that yeah. next step. That's and it. it. And it's just like, what is it going to be? Is it going to be trying to get into clubs when they come back? Trying to get a college agent? Is it going to be trying to uh do more stuff online i don't i don't know so i'm just trying to build an act during this whole thing and work on jokes that aren't necessarily just covid jokes and try to get stuff together and then hopefully this time next year people will be able to talk about like man it's like we've come a long way in a year still got a long way to go but yeah just at least be on the right track of doing something different comedically well, let's like I said, man, I really appreciate you coming on. This was really dope to talk about. And uh, and like I hope some of you guys that were listening to what was going on too, man, like I said, the grief cycle, everything that loss, dealing with it, processing it, going through therapy like you did a shitload of work, son. Like that's a lot of fucking work. You know what I mean? Like pat yourself on the fucking back. Like it might be tough. You might have fucked up, but you did a lot of fucking work. It's tough going into therapy, telling a motherfucker your trauma is tough. Doing the homework, because I guarantee you, your therapist was like, yo, you got to do this, this and this, like read this, study this, tell me this. Like people don't understand, like part of the grieving process is also you getting your hands even dirtier than what they might be. You know what I mean? And like and that's what I want. Like when you go through this shit, it's an accomplishment. Pat yourself on the back. You know, what I mean, that's why it feels different because you're a different person now. You know what I mean? And uh, like I said, man, it was dope and it was cool having you on, man. Thanks so much, guys. I really appreciate it. This is awesome. All right. There you have it. And once again, before we forget, uh, the special is called Grieving Productively. It's on YouTube. Just just go to YouTube and search Grieving Productively. Winston Hodges, you'll find it. It's about 40 minutes long and uh, really compelling to watch. And if you want more information, it's Winston Hodges, WinstonHodges.com. It has all the links to the special, also his podcast. Dead, I'm looking at the website now, Dead Dad Comedy Pod. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
think he ta- he talks about he goes through the grieving process of with a, a friend of his on the pod where they talk about like how he's feeling basically up to date but yeah man uh, i loved it it was a good doc man it's from a homie uh it's from someone being listen when people go out on that ledge dog and they go and they they show you the world man like they show you all of themselves like i i, I appreciate the fuck out of that man because yeah. there's so many people like we live in a world where everybody wants to wants you to think they're one thing and they're going through something else so, so to see somebody up close and personal like the real shit like it just it hit a lot different for me and um and i really appreciate it so like i said support the homie winston comedy um support the homies at three guys on um also support us again uh we're gonna come live next week will be the last live pod of the year so we're gonna take a little break we regrouping we got some things we'll talk about and announce um, but that'll be the last pod for 2020. It's been dope. We'll talk about some shit that's happened. Uh, we're just going to have a lot of fun with it like you do. But for one moment in time, we decided to jump out of the rabbit hole and just talk about some real shit and have fun. And I appreciate that you guys let us do that. So, again, remember, next Tuesday, December 22nd at 8 p.m., we're going to be live with the mind of dom i'll make sure you get on that zoom link invite so you can be part of the chat y'all listen to the pod every time and then y'all want to email me afterwards and be like yo how can i be part of the chat well first of all you can pay attention when i post shit and then second of all you could just send me an email at uh, mr dom rivera at gmail.com andy already got something to say what i say no, no, I was going to say that sometimes the Zoom link is the wrong link. Oh, see, no, it don't. <laughs> that was because no, what I was, was going to say, what I was going to say is um, we can maybe have a conversation about your possibly uh, new dog that you texted me. About. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm fighting a wife about a new dog right now. So she didn't want to. Uh, I was, I'm, I'm trying to get a new dog, man. I want a dog. We'll see the, whose dog is uglier, according to the listeners. First of all, I was going to get an English bulldog way fucking cuter than your beagle. But we'll talk about that next week, Tuesday, live, 8 p.m. Thank you for supporting. We're at 8,000 downloads, 2,000 away from 10K. And I'll see you guys again Tuesday, December 22nd, 8 p.m. Me, the homie, Andy Klein. We're going to be talking shit. We might have some friends on. It's the end of the year. I don't know what the fuck we're going to do, but we're going to have some fun. We're going to jump down the rabbit hole of the mind of Dom. Thanks for supporting. Talk to y'all soon.